You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about changing the narrative on mergers and acquisitions. Many owners haven't even thought about a business exit. Actually, in our recent research, we just discovered that only 17% of those surveyed have thought and have a real plan in place for an exit. And mergers and acquisitions is one option when it comes to an acquisition uh, comes to, and mergers and acquisitions is one option when it comes to an exit, and that's a whole nother ballgame. So there are a lot of unknowns and a lot of big unanswered questions in this industry. And we're going to try and dive in, flip the script a little bit with today's guest. So today we're chatting with Jennifer Fondreve. She survived three major multi-billion dollar M&As, woof, <laughs> and, but she has now changed and flipped her attention on changing the narrative for this line of work. And I cannot wait to dive in because I have a lot of questions. Welcome to Eloma, Jennifer. Thank you. And I love the woof. <laughs> I never I, thought it, never heard it introduced like that, but it's a perfect exclamation point. <laughs> I always go back to Home Alone when uh, he sees Buzz's girlfriend and he says woof, and it's just like so appropriate for so many things. <laughs> it, you're absolutely, you're right. That's going to yeah. stick in my woof. head now. <laughs> um, well, okay. So, Jennifer, let's dive into it. What do business owners need to know about the mergers and acquisitions space? Well, so first, love that you did research um, that highlighted that that you have what seventeen percent who who yeah like you need to be prepared for how you're going to exit your business. You need to be thinking about that well in advance. Uh, mm -hmm. And we saw uh, a wave of uh, businesses, particularly in that middle market, family-owned businesses mm -hmm. uh, of boomers exiting business uh, after the pandemic. Uh, so the first, the first thing I would say just to build on that is to consider a merger or an acquisition as a viable growth strategy play. Um, okay. And the reason why I say that is M&A has a lot of bad, it's a, it's, it's, it's got a lot of negative baggage, right? You see the words mergers and acquisitions and most people think, oh God, all I've heard are the worst stories. You've, you've sure. seen the, the narrative around the multi-billion dollar. Um, yeah. As a survivor of those, I can say, yes, this is true. <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. But in the middle market space, uh, it is a, a genuine lever that you can you can pull. Um, but my advice is you have to be intentional about how you go about it. You don't want to be going into a merger and acquisition as a, as a lifeboat play, right? As okay. a way to just save the business. I always say to business owners, think about it like a marriage. You don't want to okay. rush into a marriage. You want to be okay. thinking about your business. You need to know your why, right? The best marriages that you've seen are the ones where they bring out the best in each other, right? Yeah. They come to that partnership with love and respect. So if you think about a merger or an acquisition as a marriage, it makes you much more intentional. You do the work on yourself. Who am I? What's my business? What's my why? To use a Simon mm -hmm. Sinek. Mm -hmm. But that makes you also smarter about, okay, who's the right kind of partner? Who will, yeah. who will, who will complement us? Who, who has the same temperament? Um, do we want to have kids together? <laughs> do we want to really grow a family? Like, what's that product line going to look like? 
Yeah. And I think when business owners start to think in those terms, it helps them see that the only way to approach it is not just from a financials, you know, not like, yeah. okay, what, what's our value? What's their value? And how do we, you know, make the most money? If you really think about it from a marriage standpoint, you think about the legacy. You think about mm-hmm. um, the business that you've built and how you want it to continue on uh, moving forward. So that's that I would say in a nutshell is is the advice I would give to business owners. So think about it more as like a long term play, a viable growth option, you said, and not just look at it as a potential quick payday. Right. And 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 I say this because I'm confident your your listeners are business owners who want to leave a legacy. Yeah. Who want to to make a mark on this planet, you know, mm-hmm. who want to be remembered for having done something worthwhile. And yeah. so for those business owners, um, I would say certainly the payday is a lovely part, can be. Sure. But don't let that drive how you how you look for your partner. Um, particularly right. if if you want to leave a legacy worthwhile. Right. Absolutely. Um, I love that. I love that perspective. Because it, it, cause you're absolutely right. You know, like so many people think about M&A and there's just like dollar signs. Yes. And it's like very sexy in theory, but I like that you use the word survivor because there's no way that that can be easy with that much money and those many egos. Like there's a lot yeah. going on. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so I like this reframing of, of the approach to M&A. Now, there's a lot of things that people don't know about this space. So let's use this as a quick opportunity to debunk some myths that might be floating around. So what myths or previously held beliefs do you want to take this moment to squash or shift the narrative on in this space? The, The first one is, and this for anyone who's thinking about it, right? Maybe they've started some talks or it's just a a thought in their head. Oftentimes I talk to business owners who think the people piece, that that's the next phase, right? The first part just has to be the financials, Mm -hmm. valuation, um, you know, the due diligence is all on, on value creation. And I always remind business owners in that stage that your, your people are part of that value creation, right? They, they, They built the company. Yeah. Um, it didn't just grow on its own. So you can't, you don't want to make that secondary. Um, mm-hmm. think about what's your people strategy in that due diligence period. And that includes everything from what's the vision for where we're going? Why, why are we even considering this deal? And when we do the deal, what's the value that we both bring to it? What's that vision? Uh, because you have to be able to explain that vision to your people so that they understand the role that they can play in that vision moving forward. So sure. uh, when I talk to business owners and I say, think about your people and how you're going to get them to, to be part of this, to buy in, to want to support it. Because as you and I both know right now, um, there's a war on talent. It continues, right? You oh need to have, gosh. you can't afford to lose people. <laughs> no. So if you, if you're thinking just financials and you haven't thought about, okay, how am I going to explain this in a way that gets people really rallied around it and excited? Yeah. Um, you're going to lose some, some talent. And that's that part of that value equation. Just scratch that out. For sure. So that's, that's, you know, that's step number one. The, the second part related to that is the, the assumption that people don't like change. I think ultimately, uh, 
yeah, you have a percentage of the population that don't like change. I, I was definitely in that camp uh, at the beginning of my career. I loved, you know, loved building best practices and just making those hum. But I think, and and we all had a master class on how to embrace change with the pandemic. We oh, for <laughs> sure, faced, whether we wanted it or not, right? We all faced change and uncertainty, and that's the point. I think people ultimately embrace change and they understand that things have changed, but what they don't like is prolonged uncertainty, right? I think mm. what's driven people crazy about the pandemic is this prolonged uncertainty, right? And mm -hmm. when people finally got to the realization, okay, things have changed. We're not going back to the way they were. Yeah. I, I hate the term. We're going back to what a new normal is. Yeah. But it, the the fact that it's the it was the prolonged uncertainty. And so I say mm -hmm. the same thing to business owners. When you are doing your due diligence and thinking about the the valuation, um, you know, the possibilities of coming together, whether via merger and acquisition, think about your people at that stage. Have a communications plan that includes, you know, the vision um, and also the direction. Where are you going and why and, and how both companies are going to make this possible? Um, but then also recognize that things are changing for your people. It's going to take them time yeah. to embrace what's happening to them. So you may have been thinking about this for months, but just yeah. remember, it, it's going to take them time to adjust. So you need to, that's the kind of the third piece is give give time for that adjustment to allow people to do it. But, you know, for those business owners who think about their people early on, mm -hmm. I have found they're much better. They're more empathetic in yeah. helping their people get there. Uh, and I hate to, I hate to keep using this as a reference point. You know, the pandemic, I think that word is, is a dirty word, <laughs> but it feels dirty. That's for sure. But, you know, we talked about the change and uncertainty piece of that. But if you also think about those leaders who you most admired during the pandemic, they were the ones who, who communicated plainly and continuously, right? And they also showed empathy for where everyone was at, right? Yeah. I remember uh, one person saying, you know, we're all in the boat. We're all in the same boat together. Uh, and one leader said, well, let's just be clear. Some people are in yachts. Some people have floaties. Some people yeah. just have a wakeboard, <laughs> you know, like so yeah. we didn't all experience the pandemic in the same way. And I think leaders, business owners who recognize, okay, how do I handle, how do I think about my people early on and help them through that journey to be part of this transformation? Yeah, I love that. I have a lot of follow-up questions to that, but I didn't want to like jump in and like, if you had any other myths you wanted to dive no, into. No, I, th I think I Those gave the you top a ton two. to chew on. Okay. Okay. So I have, I have questions for that. Um, follow-ups. So I love that you are leading. Well, I love one of the top things is the people strategy, right? Um, I always say people matter most, but I also think people are, the, they're the most rewarding and they're the most challenging. Absolutely. Right. So um, in your experience, for those who say, quote unquote, want to do this the right way, right? right. So thinking people first as they're potentially thinking about a merger and acquisition, what are some of the things that they can do in planning? How far in advance should they be thinking about this just so that they can take best care of their teams, et cetera, in preparation? Well, I find, and I'm, I'm glad you you highlighted that part of it. For, for business owners to be successful, 
just being intentional about the people piece, right? So when I, when I talk to business owners, the reason why my company is called day one ready, day one isn't the day that you announce, Hey, we just went into a deal and here's what's going to happen. Day one is the moment you think about it as a business owner. Because the moment you start thinking about, huh, maybe a merger and acquisition, that's our play. You start to do things differently. You filter information that's coming through in a different way. And you may not even realize that you haven't even uttered it to anyone, but Mm -hmm. suddenly your people will pick up, huh, okay, why, why is he or she asking me for this information? Or why is he or she making decisions this way? That's different than how he or she used to make decisions. Right. But it's because you're thinking, well, you know, maybe we'll do a merger and acquisition. So I always want to, I always say to business owners, just know you're giving off cues or signs that you're thinking about it, even if you haven't even said it. And Mm -hmm. that's the time to start thinking uh, about your people. And for me, the, there's kind of three ways. One is what's your ultimate vision, right? Again, Mm -hmm. who am I as a partner? What's my why? Who's the right partner for me? And what's our ultimate vision? Where are we going? And when you have clarity on that vision, it's how you communicate it, right? Mm-hmm. So working on that communications piece, again, don't be waiting till the day you announce it to start, oh yeah, now let's think about how we communicate uh. this to people. Because the moment you've shared it, the same thing, you know, like we just, we talked about up front, m and just have negative baggage attached to them. Everyone's heard war stories. They've read the headlines. Uh, you know, all those headlines are about multi-billion dollar deals. Um, you know, and it's why I say like one of the myths I want to bust is M&A can be a viable play, but you want to, you want to have a communications plan so that people understand where, where this is going, where the opportunities are, what the vision is, mm-hmm. um, and framing it in a way so that people can understand that. The other p- people quotient of that is what's the, what's the right organizational structure to achieve that vision? Mm. Um, because I'll, I'll, I've worked with a lot of business owners where I'm advising them. You don't want the business, the business, how you're developing it shouldn't be just, well, we're acquiring them. So it's where they fit into our org structure. It's what's the vision, what's best for our customer who we want to serve. Right. And then what's the right organizational structure for that? And then who best fills those seats? So it's, it's looking at it from a, a 30,000 foot level. Here's the vision. This is where we're going. This is the right org structure for that. And then who, who fits in within each of these roles? Um, again, the earlier you think about that, the better prepared you are when you make that announcement. Absolutely. There's always going to be need for adjustment and, and planning, but the more you pre-plan and think through, um, the better equipped you are to really get people excited and bought in. And it, it saves you the precious time you need to start you know, making the, making the, the partnership work. Our defining success workshop series is so much more than just a business workshop. This three-day intensive is a carefully curated exercise in finding clarity in the now, which includes your personal and professional goals. We have four expert speakers that will guide you through what typically takes years to accomplish in just three days time and will save you roughly a hundred thousand dollars in investment while we're at it. This will be the best ROI you'll ever make. I pinky promise. Sign up for one of our four Defining Success workshops taking place at Hotel Metro in Milwaukee this year. You can register at rixrixworkshops.com and keep in mind, space is limited. I have a question. 
this might be a dumb question. I hate when people say that. Never but a I'm going to say. <laughs> Um, okay. I love how you, you know, we're talking a lot about people. We're talking a lot about vision. Um, so we have these businesses, right. That have their own visions in and of themselves. Now we've got two or more businesses that are considering merging, acquiring one another, Mm -hmm. whatever it looks like. Right. How often do those visions end up being compromised? And what, like, I'm just curious, like, Is this a, I should have a better way of wording this, but I'm just curious if uh, there's significant compromise of the individual visions or if it's more of an amplification of a unified vision when an M&A happens, or maybe there's both. So not a dumb question, a very insightful question. Where where I see that things can go wrong, and it goes back to the earlier point, when companies don't understand their why. Sure. So that there can be vision misalignment. Um, you know, okay. and I'll I'll use my own war story because I think an example may help here. So Nokia, yeah. uh, my very first acquisition experience, I was working at a company called Naptec. We made digital maps. Now mm. maps are ubiquitous, right? On your phone, you probably can't get anywhere without using your your map in your yeah, car. Yeah, definitely guilty around. of that. <laughs> so Nokia acquired us, uh, us being Naptech in 2008 for $9 billion. That was my first uh, M&A experience. And I thought, oh, I was so excited. This is a vision, right? Nokia realizes that connecting people is not just via the phone. They want to connect people through location-based solutions, right? By yeah. using the map. Nope, wasn't the case. They they acquired us because they just wanted to be able to get the map data that we had been providing at the same price that they had always gotten it. And I get it, right? This is no no harm to Nokia, right? Sure, it's their strategy, yeah. But because I thought they were looking at it from a 30,000-foot level, right? Here's how we're going to connect people. And unfortunately, what happened is because they saw us just the line item, right? We were just, hey, mm. great, now we can get maps for the same price we've always gotten them. And then you had Apple come along with an iPhone. And they completely rewrote what people expected from a phone. Mm-hmm. So Nokia was just thinking, hey, we're the leader of the smartphone market. Mm-hmm. And then Apple comes along, has a phone that rewrites what people expect from a phone. And I, you know, the, the thing for me that's always my biggest regret is I think Nokia could have owned that space. I mean, had they really leveraged us quickly mm-hmm. to say, yes, it's about location. That's how people are going to connect. But they didn't. They just, they were thinking smaller just as we're the phone yeah. and we're going to preserve our phone leadership. So I say that because one of the exercises I do with business owners to help find that misalignment in vision is what mm-hmm. I call a pre-mortem. So if you know a post-mortem, right? Unfortunately, the patient dies and you try and figure out what led to the patient dying. Mm-hmm. A pre-mortem in business terms is, okay, let's, let's take a scenario, right? The deal is done. What are all the ways this deal could go wrong? Let's think, yeah, I call it a reverse SWAT, right? What are okay. all the, in, what are the internal things that could happen, right? Um, yeah. You know, what are, what assumptions are we making about sales, marketing, and product um, mm. that we need to challenge? Um, what are external things? Like, are there government policies that could come out that might upend the reason for this, why we're making this deal happen? Um, is it, com- could a competitive move upend? you know, again, why we're doing this deal. Yeah. And a pre-mortem 
you know, you can do that. I, I run them a lot, but you could even do it internally, but it helps. It helps in two ways. One, it helps you kind of see ahead. It's your crystal ball. The closest you'll get to a crystal ball to see, okay, what are potential okay. challenges we'll face? But it goes to the question you were asking, which is, is our vision aligned, right? Are we thinking about this the same way? Because as people yeah. talk about, well, here's a potential challenge and here's a potential challenge. Then you go, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I'm not thinking about this the same way you're thinking about this. And so it's a, it's a way in a, you know, you're not in you, fires are going off everywhere. It's it's before the deal is consummated and you're thinking about all potential challenges. And that for me, that exercise more than any other exercise um helps business owners see where they're aligned, yeah, where maybe they aren't, how they're looking at the vision. Um that's that's the most productive way I've seen to help address what what you're uh, highlighting. Yeah. Thank you for that um, example, because I think that did a beautiful job, at least for me and hopefully for those listening, of illustrating that. Um, and it's so, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting because, you know, so often we think about visions and it's like, oh, the impact we want to have on the world, et cetera. Right. But I, again, I love the example of like, well, Nokia was like, no, I want to acquire you because you'll make, you'll, you'll um, stabilize this line item. Right. In so yeah. many words. But that's something that we need to be thinking about from a competitive and a landscape standpoint of, and I like, again, the, the pre-mortem and the, um, did you call it a reverse SWAT? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I love that because I think, not that I have any experience in this, but I would imagine there's a lot of emotions that get tied up in this work. There's a lot of money and a lot of emotions and a lot of complications of a lot of levels, right? And so I like the idea of being able to structure it and take a look at that and then like see how those things are aligned. Uh, Thank you for that. I, that was, that was illustrative for me. Um, Good. And you, you know, you, you made a point though, that I think, I don't know if it's a myth to bust or just something else to keep in mind is because money is typically the driver. Yeah. You know, business owners tend to come together both a bit arrogant, right? Absolutely. You're proud of the, the company you have built. Yeah. But repeatedly, when I was writing my book and interviewed CEOs, the key lesson they learned is they were more successful in those merger and acquisition deals later on when they both came to the table with humility, right? Respect for the other side. So I talked again, I go back to the marriage analogy. Yeah. You know, coming to that with respect requires you to come to that um, discussion. Now, Granted, you want to have swagger. You're proud of your company. You want to get the, the, you know, the biggest bang for your buck. But having humility for how you can complement each other and recognizing that, you know, sets your marriage yeah. up for success. Well, I would imagine that it'd be pretty difficult to come to a, a happy agreement without respect for the other party. I, I'm sure that it happens. <laughs> but oh, yeah. no, there's more often than not, there's, uh, there's more arrogance. Oh, uh, I'm sure arrogance tends to drive a lot of M&A deals. So that's why I'm emphasizing the point you made, right? Coming to yeah. it with, with humility is key. Yeah. And so, okay. So Jennifer, as we go back to flipping this script and I, again, I'd love having this conversation. What is the importance? I'm just excited that you're loving having a conversation about mergers and acquisitions. I really am. <laughs> like, I love this stuff. Like, I get so excited and nerdy on it. Like, I don't have any experience with it myself, but I have a lot of questions, right? Um, so really, thank you. Um, 
But, you know, we talk about flipping this script and we talk about people focus and we talk about humility and you don't typically hear those things when the general public listens about M&A. So why do you feel so strongly about flipping this script? What's important about that? Well, not only did I flip the script, I walked away from a very successful corporate marketing career to start all over again with my M&A consultancy. Um, You know, I just believe so passionately about it. And because I went through it, right? I I went through three separate and and I've been on all sides. I've been acquirer, acquiree. Um, I've been part of a company that was acquired by private equity, which is a whole other um, experience. And I consistently felt that because of lack of a people strategy, mm. that the the deals weren't as successful as they could have been. Yeah. Now I'm not naive. There were a lot of variables. The Nokia Naptech, that was my first one. There were a lot of variables that contributed sure. to that. Um, so I'm, I'm not an idiot in that regard, but I just, it was, that's my origin story. That was my first acquisition experience. I didn't know what to expect. Um, I had been acquired. And when I went to the next company uh, where I had my second acquisition experience, I inherited a team that had been acquired. And I was a much better leader to that team because mm. I knew how they felt. Yeah. And it was at that, in that second acquisition experience that, um, I thought about writing a book because as I talked with other leaders, um, who were, I don't want to say struggling, but they were trying to figure out, you know, how to navigate post deal, right? If yeah, you haven't been well, given sure. a playbook, if you haven't been, um, informed, if you aren't, if you aren't, that's why I made that emphasis on vision. If you aren't clear about, well, how do we play into the bigger picture? Mm-hmm. You know, people, People hold back. They're trying to see how things are going to play out at a time where you need them invested and working. Yeah. Um, and so because I had, I had been an, uh, I had been acquired before, it just made me a, a better leader. And by the third one, when the company I worked at was acquired by private equity, it was like, I knew the playbook. <laughs> I was, I was like, Oh, I know how this is going to play out. And mm-hmm. so I'm passionate about it because after interviewing CEOs and CFOs and CHROs for my book, um, Now What? So it's called Now What? Uh, a Survivor's Guide for Thriving Through Mergers and Acquisitions. There you go. It's a, satir- it's a satirical business book. It's got illustrations. <laughs> it's a 225-page it. quick read, but I wanted to bring to light, here's what happens, right? Um, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine jokingly said my book should have been called What to Expect When You're Not Expecting to Be Acquired. Right. When you're not expecting, <laughs> you're not expecting M&A. Uh, and, you know, there's just, there's that so can much. be your follow up. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Right. A, a, a picture. Uh, yeah. I use the marriage analogy. I could have used the baby analogy. Yeah. But oh, there you go. <laughs> it's, you know, and, but I, it's, I, I'm passionate about it because I think it's why I said up front, I, it is a viable strategy. There is opportunity, but it, you need to do a better job thinking about your people explaining to your people, you know, what's going to happen and why, mm-hmm. and, and being clear on, on your own why, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, if I use the marriage analogy again, if you, if you feel like, okay, I've got a void, but a partner will help fill that void in my life. Mm-hmm. Those marriages never work. It's the same mm-hmm. in business, right? Mm-hmm. I've got, I've, I've got a void in my product line. So I'm just going to anchor them in and then they're going to do what I say. You know, it, it's, it's just not, it's not that easy. And so the more I talk about it, 
um, you know, my goal is to help the success rate, help more mergers and acquisition deals be successful and help people be more successful in them. Love that. Love that. And when you say successful, how are you defining that? Well, first and foremost, so the, the, the statistic that whether it's a Harvard Business Review or McKinsey, right, they have consistently said 70 to 90% of M&A deals fail, mm-hmm. um, which is a kind of sobering statistic. Uh, and what's fascinating to me is it's a statistic that's been out for a while. Uh, I think almost 20 years, right? I've, I've seen that statistic uh, trend line. And people, yet they go into it with arrogance, you know, well, well that's not going to be us, right? We're not going to have those problems. Everyone thinks they're, they're, they're focused... the exception. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, success is one, um, being clear and going in with eyes wide open and being smart about the the expectations, right? Achieving the valuation. The reason why you go into the deal in the first place, you know, there, there are milestones and metrics you need to hit by year one. Uh, and so first and foremost to me is making sure you're successful and that you are realistic about what that year one's going to look like, because for all the reasons we just talked about, it takes yeah. people a while to adjust. If you haven't explained the vision in terms they understand from the get go, it's going to take even longer, Yeah, which is why I always say, you know, start thinking about what that communications piece is when you're thinking about the deal, right? Don't wait until you made the announcement. Mm-hmm. And it's with, Working with business owners, the earlier they start thinking about that and preparing for it, the better able they are to achieve that year one valuation, right? Which is the kind of the metric that everyone says, okay, we're going to do this deal and here's what we're going to hit by year one. Um, I want to help them better achieve that uh, because what that typically means is they've done right by their people and their people are invested in helping helping the company to be successful. Yeah. Well, you know, that makes, I mean, again, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's also rings true for anybody running a business that isn't necessarily thinking about M&A. Like, communicate with your people. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing, simple, and affordable podcast production agency. Hivecast has been instrumental in producing Welcome to Eloma, simplifying our workflow, and making our lives so much easier. Their packages range from $500 to $1,000 a month to create audio, video, and marketing creative assets. They've saved us huge on both our bottom line as well as time spent. They also have a sister agency called Fireside, which offers marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, and so much more. And they're all at really reasonable prices for small business owners. The best part is that there's no contract. So you can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code ELOMACAST, E-L-O-M-A-C-A-S-T, and save 50% off your first month of services. Go ahead and give them a try. We have loved working with them. You know, I want to go back just for a hot second. You had used the phrase prolonged uncertainty earlier in talking about the pandemic. And I think you're right. Like as humans, human nature is typically averse to change, but there's something exciting about change. But I love how you broke it down with the prolonged uncertainty because you have to, and I say you meaning all listeners, you have to remember that your team, they're all humans, right? They all have families. They all have goals. They all have a retirement fund that they're trying to fund. 
You know, they're all want to go to Disneyland once or once in a while, Disney World, (laughs) one of the Disneys. Um, But not communicating with them. And you you mentioned it earlier. They can pick up on it. They're not dumb. Right. Right. People, People pick up on it. So just be transparent to the degree that you can and remove some of the uncertainty for your team to the degree that you can. And, you know, even if you're not in the space of M&A right now, like invest right. in your people, talk to them. Yeah. I think, it, I, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, you, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because um, I've had a fascination with uncertainty on my own journey. Uh, and I did a TEDx talk last year. Oh, cool. Um, and I went into the talk thinking I was going to talk about mergers and acquisitions and that kind of uncertainty. And, and thankfully, um, it's TEDx Wilmet. Lovely, lovely women. It's, uh, Wilmet's a, a suburb in North Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it was six women who did this TEDx. And ultimately the talk that I gave was embrace uncertainty. And Ooh. thankfully I had a wonderful, um, writing coach, Ali Wentz, who, who said, you know, your M&A uncertainty piece is cool, but your own journey, you've, you've embraced uncertainty. Like you need to bring your own journey into this. You, you yeah. took a leap of faith and became an entrepreneur, like, you know, include and weave that in. And I'm, I'm so glad she did that because now I give, I've, I've done workshops with women's groups about how to embrace uncertainty. And, you know, what does yes. that look like? How do you do that? Um, because I say, you did, Gone are the days you navigate uncertainty or cope with or deal with. You got to embrace it. And when you yeah. embrace it, it kind of helps you to let go of the past and, and helps you see the opportunities ahead. So it's, it's, it's funny that you, you gravitated towards my comment on uncertainty because it's, like it's it. one of my through lines is what do we do with uncertainty? We need to embrace it. Yeah. No, I like it. And I, I think it's, um, well, and uncertainty and change have such a close relationship, right? When yes. ever anything changes, we don't know exactly how it's going to pan out. So there's a level of uncertainty. And so right. I like I like the phrase prolonged uncertainty because I think that nailed it, right? And I and you're right, embrace the uncertainty because what are you going to do? You know, not to get off too far off of, on a tangent, but like for like, people afraid of flying. It's like, okay, you can either fly or not fly, but you choose to fly. When you get on the plane, you got to trust that the pilot's going to get you there. Cause unless right. you're your own pilot, like right. that's all you got, man. So you got to yep. embrace the opportunity. So anyway, yep. I love that. Um, Jennifer, you've got lots of awesome stuff going on. What are you working towards now? What do you want everybody to know about? I, well, I'd say, you know, we've touched on a couple of things. I mean, my, if I were to say what's my overall mission as it relates to M&A, it's the need to m- reduce the failure rate, right? Yeah. Reduce it from 70, 90% failure rate, uh, you know, health. Getting it below 50% would be great, right? And the I'm big win. That, right? Big win, yeah. Uh, the more CEOs who are hiring me and saying, I absolutely, I want you to come in and set us up for success, right? What kind of leader do we need to be when we're navigating um, through change and uncertainty? And I love doing that. Um, so that's, I'd say that's one big thing I'm working on. Um, the, the second thing, ironically, and I'm not yet in a position to announce it, but I'm changing how, how people 
uh, approach mergers and acquisition from how it's even taught okay. in schools, right? What might that Ooh. curriculum look like? How do we make sure that when, when mergers and acquisition, particularly at the executive education or the graduate mm-hmm. school level, when it's taught, then it's not just financials, right? You're equally talking about people yes. and organizational design, psychology, culture, that that's factored in because that's where that miss up front is why we deal with all the problems later. So uh, I'm working to go upstream to make sure that how it's framed from the beginning includes, includes the people piece. That's awesome. And then, then the third piece is, is the, the last thing I mentioned is that TEDx doing that, um, was transformative, but people's reaction to my message about embracing uncertainty and how you do that. Um, it's been exciting for me to see the reaction to that and have more uh, women's, and I will say women's groups, not that men don't equally want to embrace uncertainty, but sure. it's just women that have gravitated to it to say, oh, tell me more. You know, how do yeah. I do that? What does that approach look like? Um, so I'm, I'm eager to see how that plays out as I, as I talk to more women. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. I've got two final questions for you. What, and, and we've probably well, I don't want to make assumptions. We may have covered it. We'll see. <laughs> um, but what impact do you want to make on the world or what legacy do you want to leave? Hmm. You know, the things that I'm working on, the changing how mergers and acquisitions are taught to me, if I can turn that into the vision that I have for that, that would be a worthy legacy. Right. Yes. To have a, a curriculum built around that. Um, that, that for me, um, is probably first and foremost. The, the, the opportunities that I've had with, with women. Um, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my fifties. I, I, I feel that a big part of my journey is to pay it forward and, mm. I, I love the conversations that I'm having when I, when I talk to women about here's how you embrace uncertainty, right? Got to focus on your talent. Be very clear on what your talent is. Make sure you're clear on where you need to put your effort and how do you get and maintain a positive attitude, right? That's knowing your value, being crystal clear on your value is what helps you to embrace uncertainty. So spreading that gospel, if you will, to not get biblical, um, you know, because when, when I do, when I've, when I've been with groups, um, the reaction has always been so positive. So making that impact as well has been exciting for me. So I'd love to see where that goes. That's awesome. I love that. Um, all right. My last one for you is what is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? Uh, it's funny because I actually wrote I wrote an article, um, and uh, it touches on this very topic. Whatever you do, pick the right partner. Um, I Ooh. am happily married, um, 25 years this September, but I would not have, I don't, I don't think I would have walked away from my corporate career to pursue something where I literally started all over again and wrote a book. Like I didn't even have that on my list, on my bucket list of things to do. But um, after my third acquisition, and I talked to my husband about, hey, here's what I'm thinking. And his encouragement to say, you were meant to do this. Like you will help people. This is, this is something you need to do. And whatever we need to do as a family to support you, 
you know, I'll make it happen. And, and I, so I wrote an article, whatever you do, pick the right partner. Cause you gotta, you gotta have somebody who's willing to dance with you, uh, who fills your, your soul with positive energy, um, and is willing to go with you on that journey. Um, I would not be where I am today if I hadn't picked the right partner. I love that. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Um, all right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. For anybody listening who's like, I've got more questions for this lovely lady. What's the best <laughs> way for them to get in touch with you, find you? Um, really two two ways. Um, LinkedIn, most definitely. I don't exist, as, as my family knows, I don't exist on any other platform. I don't have the capacity to Good be on any you. other platform. Good for you. I wrote a lot on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, I always enjoy when people reach out, particularly if they, they say, Oh, I read your book or I ordered your book or I heard you on a podcast. Um, it, it brings me joy. Um, the, the other is, you know, my website, Jennifer J. Fondreve. Um, you know, it gives you an, an indication of, of all the different things that I'm into. Um, you know, right now it's very mergers and acquisitions oriented, but. Yeah. This year is morphing into that, how I'm helping women's groups. So uh, more to come on that, but those would be really the two ways. Awesome. Awesome. Well, for anybody listening, if you've enjoyed today's podcast as much as I have, I encourage you to please leave a review wherever you are listening. And Jennifer, thank you again so much for sharing your words of wisdom and, and knowledge with us. Thank you. It was a blast. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com. 